Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you are with us this morning as we're continuing our series immeasurably more. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to go back to our website, check out the message. We, we revealed a lot of important things, exciting things that you'll get to hear a little bit more about today. But I want to encourage you to, to go back and to listen to that because we started off this series talking about a verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And before we kind of dive into that today, I was, I was in the grocery store. Anybody, anybody do their groceries in their family? Anybody, the grocery shoppers in their family? I'm not the grocery shopper in our family, uh, but I was in the store this week. I was picking something up real quick, and anytime I go to the store, I love the magazines that are right by the front counter. Anybody else kind of addicted to the magazines when they're standing in line? Like, you've got to pick them up. Like, I've got to find out, like, who who killed uh, JR in Dallas? You know, like, I, I like that's still a mystery. Okay, that's a little old for some of you guys, but, uh, but like, I love seeing the magazines that are there because of all the promises that the magazines give people. You know, I, I was walking by and I saw 17 magazine today. This is for teenagers. And, and one of the promises are, man, if you have trendy coats and boots, then you will win on social media. I mean, that's basically like what this is, is saying. And so like, man, if, if you can achieve this, like the promise is, is if you get those coats, like you're going to be a winner. The problem is, is that next year it's going to be new coats and boots. Like it's never, never going to be a muff. And, and, and so it's not just for teenagers. It's, it's also for, for Glamour Magazine. It says this, one of the highlights here is, is, I met both my husbands on the same day, a true love story. <laughs> I don't know that anybody really wants that promise. That sounds like a lot of headache. I know how much it is to take care of one child. Imagine having two of them. So uh, like, you know, it's like, they promised all of these things. Or Money Magazine just came out. Best places to live of 2016. Here's the problem. 2017 is right around the corner. <laughs> and so while it promises that these are the best for the last three months of the year, they're probably not going to be the best next year. And then my favorite, all-time favorite, is men's health. How, how to lose weight forever. Anybody want to read about that? Lose weight forever. Like, and, and we all know that this is just a lie because you can't lose weight forever and nobody has six-pack abs like that. And if you do, we hate you, okay? Um, <laughs> we don't hate you. We just, we're just extremely jealous. But, but like all the magazines out there promise so much more for your life if you have what, they, what they're selling you today, if you've achieved what they say that you can have and if you can acquire all of these things. The only thing is, is that no matter how much they promise, they always underdeliver. Because you know what? There's always something more you have to do in order to achieve that. And on the flip side of that, what we've been talking about starting with last week is that God has got immeasurably more for every single one of our lives. And if we would recognize it, it's already been given to us. It's already been put out there. There's just some steps that we have to take to achieve the more that he has promised to us. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we talked about last week the fact that God is able, that God is willing, and that just God is just waiting on us to recognize the step of faith that he's put before us so that we could realize the immeasurably more in our lives. 
And so many times we're wondering what the immeasurably more for our life is. And what's interesting is this passage is ended with the word amen. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Amen is probably the most commonly uh, common word across all uh, languages. And, and so um, it, this word amen, we think for us today that it is the end of a prayer. Like that's how we end our prayers, right? What do you do at the end of your prayer? In Jesus' name, that, isn't that what you do at the end of your prayer? Or thank you, God. Amen. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for his food. Amen. You know, that's how we end our prayers. And so we automatically look at this passage of Scripture and we think, oh, well, Paul is closing out a thought here. Like, this is over. That thought is done with. But the reality is, is that Scripture was not written in chapter and verse. And so we automatically think, well, chapter 4 is a totally different thought. But this is a continuation of the thought that Paul was saying here. And so in chapter 4, he actually goes into some of the things that God wants to do immeasurably more. And in, in fact, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 today. And I believe that God is going to show us that he has got so much more for us in a particular area of life. And so in, chapter, in verses 1 through 7, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And there are a couple of, of key words that I want us to focus on here because Paul right here, is he, he's compelling us. He says, listen, God has got immeasurably more for your life. He's got so much more than you can think or imagine. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. That's what he says to all of us. He says, you have got to realize that every single one of us, especially all of us in here today, that you and I are called to live immeasurably more. There is a calling for every single one of us to live that way in our life. And that word calling there that he says live a life worthy of the calling is actually the Greek word klesis, which means it's a divine invitation to every single one of us. What he's in essence saying is, is that God has given every single one of us a calling. In other words, he's given us a divine invitation to live out this life that is immeasurably more than all we could think or imagine. Like God has got this divine invitation for us. That's why he says in 1 John 3, 1, see how very much the Father loves us. He says we've got to recognize that God loves us, that he calls us children, and that is what we are. Now, I, I think about parenting, and I think about when I was a child, uh, I did a lot of dumb things. It's any... any people out there do some dumb things when they were kids that would make their parents embarrassed. Anybody embarrass their parents ever? Couple of you. How many of you guys like wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I asked you to do? And you still won't raise it. Okay. <laughs> I remember doing some embarrassing, embarrassing things that like even though I did those embarrassing things, like my dad was never like, that's not a McCormick anymore. 
Like he didn't disregard me or he didn't disown me. He wasn't like, uh, we're gonna give him to the Smiths. Yeah, he's a Smith child now. Like he jacked things up. Like, no, no, no. He, like I was a part of his family. He had called me his son or his daughter. And what happens in our life is we don't realize uh, that the enemy is out there to try to distract us, to get us to dismiss the fact that God has called us uh, in life, and a lot of us, we think that God has only called us if we're good enough, if we're smart enough, and gosh darn it, if people like us, and so therefore, if we've messed up, if we've jacked up, then all of a sudden, God, God must have disregarded that calling when it came to us. And so we dismiss the call of God based on our past or our circumstances, and that's exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life. In fact, I can remember, I was 18 years old, my, my family. Uh, I'd gone off to college. I'd gotten kicked out of school uh, for not doing the right things. And my parents were extremely, extremely successful business people. And their company was giving out a national award in Baton Rouge, Louis, or not in Baton Rouge, in New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, I had never been to New Orleans, and they invited me to go because this was a prestigious thing. There was going to be like 10,000 people there in their company to see them win this award. It was a huge, huge deal. And the night before the award ceremony, uh, myself and some of the other uh, people's sons decided we we're going to go hit up Bourbon Street. Um, as an 18-year-old, and, and there is no good that happens on Bourbon Street as an 18-year-old. And we went out, and, and we made some really, really poor decisions in life. And, and I ended up uh, waking up in a hotel room that I still don't know how I ended up there to this day. The people said they found me in a gutter, passed out. And I woke up in a pile of puke because I had alcohol poisoning. And I remember the next morning was the morning my parents were getting their award. And so I somehow made my way back to our hotel and changed and went to the convention center. And I remember going and finding my parents and sitting down next to them. And my mom just looking at me and going, oh God, what have you done? And my stepdad looking over at me and going like, you smell like a liquor store. And embarrassing my parents in front of everybody. I remember going home and, and feeling like a failure after getting kicked out of school and, and messing up a scholarship and then embarrassing my parents in front of all the people. And, it, and you know what happened is, is the enemy started accusing me and telling me, you know what, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to accomplish anything in life. You're never going to see God's dreams lived out in your life. You want to know why? Because that's exactly who the enemy is. It says in Revelation 12, 10 that, that he is an accuser and he accuses us day and night to keep us from living out the calling that God has placed on our lives. But God's calling is bigger than any problem we face. It's bigger than any circumstances you're going through. And I'll never forget, just a couple of months later, as I was feeling down and out in my sorrows over the summer, trying to figure out my life, I remember sitting in a hotel at this church uh, where we did this huge camp, and a woman coming and sitting down next to me and started calling out the God things in my life and started speaking to me and talking about the call of God on my life and that, that God wasn't done with my life yet and that God still had a purpose and that God still had a plan. And when I started to recognize that my past did not determine my future, that all of a sudden God had a calling for me, it changed everything for me. 
And let me tell you something, when you realize that God has got a call for you and God does have a call for you, he has a call for each and every one of us in here, when you start to realize that, that is a game changer for your life. Because if you don't know that you're called, this is what happens. It's what Proverbs 29, 8 says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. When you don't have a vision, when you don't recognize that God's got a vision for your life, you go from this to that to this to that, and you realize and you wonder, why are you never satisfied? Because you don't recognize that there is a call in your life, and you are called to live a life worthy of that calling. And here's what will happen as you start to discover that there is a call upon your life. And this call is calling you to live a life of immeasurably more. What will happen if you're taking notes is that your calling will give you passion. Your calling is going to give you a passion. I remember when we started Coastal in... uh, we moved here in June of 2009. We knew nobody here. We, we, we actually knew one family that lived here at the time. And uh, I remember going, man, we're going to plant a church here. We're going to plant a church in September. We gathered together about 35, uh, 20-somethings and a couple of their parents uh, because their parents were a little leery of us and wondering, like, what a cult have you gotten my, my 20-something into? And, and so we gathered them up. And I remember on September 13th, of 2009, we had our very, very first service here, and we had 353 people in attendance. It's enormous. Like, we were jacked up. I was like, dang, God is up in it here. Like, I'm passionate about it. I remember I started calling my friends. I was like, guys, you are not believing what God is doing in South Florida. We are having revival here. You want to move here. You want to be a part of it. And God was doing a revival. It was just a Gideon revival. Like we were decreasing in numbers every week. We went from from 353 to 180 to 120 to 100 to 90. By week seven, we were at 63 people. How many of y'all are like, that's awesome? Sweet. But that calling, it gave me a passion. So it didn't matter if there was six people or 6,000 people in here. I knew I was called to reach this community. And so the numbers didn't matter because what mattered was God called me to reach people. And so if it was six people, 600 people, 63 people, I was passionate about it. And I remember about a year later, we were 120 people. We were coming up to Easter, and I was like, man, Easter is going to be awesome this year. And we handed out invites to everybody. I was like, invite everybody. And what happened is they did. We had like 250 people show up to Easter that year. And I still have no idea why. Because our church was terrible. Music was bad. Preaching was even worse. But you want to know why people kept showing up? Because they saw somebody who got lit on fire and people will show up to watch somebody burn. And you know what will happen? Your calling will give passion and it will cause people that are looking for something in life to come and find the light. And we've got to recognize that, that man, God has called us to passion. And man, it took us, in fact, it took us three years to break that original attendance record. See, passion will keep you going in the midst of your calling. I want you to write down another word, and it's the word urge. It says, therefore, brothers, we urge. 
And that word urge there is, is actually uh, this word parakelio. It's the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, I want to come alongside you and walk with you. See, when you, when you start to realize that there is a passion within your calling, what the Holy Spirit promises to do is he promises to come alongside you and walk alongside you and fan that flame. And some of us need to realize that, that we're going through life and we don't think that there's anything, like our life is not meant for anything significant. And God is saying to you today, man, I've called you to immeasurably more. I've called you to a life that is so much greater, that's so much more wonderful. And if you'll just get a glimpse of it, if you'll just grab hold of this calling that I have in your life, it will instill and invigorate a passion within you. And that passion will cause that calling that you have to have a purpose. Because passion is always driven by this purpose. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, it says, There is one hope, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. The one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I want you to write down the word one. Because here's the thing, all of us have got to discover what is the one thing in our life that is ultimately going to drive our life? What is the one thing, like what is your why in life? Like what is the thing that you exist for? Like why are you here on earth? In fact, the, number, the two most important questions of your life are like uh, that you've got to answer, when was I born and why was I born, what was I born for? Like those are the two most important moments of your life. The fact that you were born and that you're born for a purpose. And when you discover what that purpose is, that why will drive the what you're gonna do in life and what you need to do and that'll dictate the way that you're gonna do it. And, and your why, he defines right here, should be all about one. Every single one of our whys in life should be driven by one. Should be driven by making God the center of everything. Should drive everything that we do in life. My one is all about how do I make Jesus famous in this world? Somebody asked me the other day, uh, like, what are you gonna do when you're gonna retire? And I'm like, man, I'm never retiring. They're like, what do you mean? I said, see, people with careers retire. People with callings, it doesn't end until you die. See, I'm not a career ministry person. I'm a, I'm a called person for Jesus to reach other people. And you know what? I'm not the only one in here that's called to that. Every single one of us is. Your functionality might not just look the same as mine. You might not be called to a stage, but you're called to a business, or you're called to a family, or you're called to uh, the, the place that he has put you in life of influence because he wants to use you to glorify the one. And I've made a decision in my life that I'm gonna live until I die and not before then. Why think about death when I have so much to live for? Listen, I know when I die, some of y'all are gonna be like, well, well, we'd like you to come back and preach. I'm not coming and doing it. 
Might come back for some worship because it's gotten way better, but the preaching still is terrible. But you are called to something. You are called to something that says one hope. And that invitation is simply you're called to his church. See, that hope there is referring to the body of Christ. It's the church. It's our purpose. Everything that God has called us to is going to be wrapped up and, and tied up within the purpose of what he is trying to do right here, right now on this earth. And you might ask yourself, why the church? And I believe it's the church because it's the only hope for your life. It's the only hope for our country. It's the only hope for this world. And what that's what I am am called to live for and that is what you are called to live for why because i once was lost but now i'm found i once was in bondage but now i'm free i once was blind but now i see i once was helpless but now i'm hopeful i once was stressed out and depressed but now i'm blessed people oh man i'll come preach to you again we'll we'll have a conversation right here right you and I, they're not getting it, dude. They don't have a clue what's going on. There is a calling on their life, isn't it? There's a calling on your life. And we're called. We're called to, to his church, to his body. What's interesting is that this word one is mentioned seven times. Now, you, you might not think that that's like a big deal, but the, in the Bible, the, word, the, the, the number seven is extremely significant. It means completion. And what it's in essence saying is it's saying, listen, when, when, when you direct your calling and purpose to Christ's church, he's saying that all of a sudden, everything that you're searching for in this life, everything that these magazines promise that you'll have if you get these things will complete you, doesn't. But when you surround yourself around the purpose and the vision of what God wants to do on this earth, all of a sudden, everything that's missing in your life will start to become complete. Because what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to build one thing. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if you want your life to prevail in this world to accomplish immeasurably more, you're going to have to be part of something that is bigger and destined to accomplish way more than your life can. Way more and immeasurably more than your life can. And the greatest thing they could do that is his church. The thing that Jesus established on this earth was his church. And you and I, we need to recognize that we are a part of his one. We are a part of the one. In verse 7 it says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Write the word grace down real quick, or circle the word grace a lot of times when we think of this word grace, we think of uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I've never figured out what, the, what a wretch is, but I would like to know someday. So if you want to email me, but that is not what this word means right here. This word is actually the word charis, and it's referring to gifts, talents, abilities. It's saying, it's saying but to each one of us, God has given us gifts and talents and abilities as God apportioned it in our lives. Like he has given us certain things to accomplish in our life. 
In fact, that, that, that phrasing, Christ apportioned it, is, is referring to, if you were to reference that, is referring to Matthew chapter 25, talking about the talents. It's the same concept and the same idea as the parable of the talents. And if you've never heard the parable of the talents, it basically is like this. There was a master, and he had three servants, and he was about to go away uh, to a faraway land, and he decided that he was going to leave some people in charge of building his empire. And so to one of the servants, he gave him five talents. And he said, hey, go and multiply these. Uh, to another servant, he gave them two talents based on their ability. And he said, go and multiply these. He gave another servant one talent based on his abilities. And he said, hey, go and multiply these things. Go based on your capacity. And there's a principle there for all of us to know. If you're wondering why you are in the place you are in life, here are two things you need to know. You're in the place you are in life because of the talent God has given to you, number one. And number two, what you've done with that talent. So if you haven't done much with that talent, you're wondering why am I not making progress? Maybe it's because you haven't lived a life worthy of the calling that he's given to you. He's given you some talents and you've kind of just, just put it off to the side, or maybe he has given you some talent and you've multiplied it and you see some things happening in your life and, and you can look directly to this principle right here and go, oh, I understand why it's happening like this. He said to the one he gave five, that guy went out and gained five more. To the one he gave two, that guy went out and gave, gained two more. To the one he gave one, he buried it and his ended up being taken away. In fact, in Matthew 25, 25, this was his response to his master when he came back. He said, master, I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. What's interesting here is the one with one talent buried it in the ground. He invested it in things that did not have a long-term return. He invested it in worldly things that, that were good for the moment, but not good for the lifetime. They didn't have any longevity to them. In fact, the Bible says that he actually uh, took his gifts and his talents and he hid them. And the word hid there actually means to keep in secret or escape notice. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, $2 bills. How many of you guys have seen some $2 bills before? I have a, I have a couple of $2 bills here. Um, and, and $2 bills are interesting because people, when they see a $2 bill, a lot of people think that, man, these are really, really valuable. They're not out there in the world today. Do you know that there are actually 1.1 billion $2 bills in circulation today? Like, they're still being produced today. So they're not something that's like not being produced, not happening out there. But what people think is they think, oh, this is valuable. This is a talent. And I better take this and I better hide this. In fact, I've had these $2 bills since I was about five years old. I was looking through some things this week and I, and I found this stack of $2 bills because as a kid, my, my parents said that these were, these were extremely valuable. I actually looked these up. These are worth, you want to know how much they're worth? They're worth $2. Thirty plus years. In fact, I, I remember uh, quite a few years ago when Shayla and I were first married. We were really broke one day, and I found this stack of two dollar bills. And we were so broke, we were just like hungry. And I was like, "Man, I'm gonna go buy some ramen." And I went to the store, and as I was buying some ramen, you know, ramen doesn't cost a whole lot. I tried to pay with a two dollar bill, and the cashier would not accept it because she thought it was phony money. 
She didn't even think it was real. I was like, look it up on Google. We didn't have Google back then, but I like, I was like, <laughs> like I could not convince this lady. I was like, you need to call your manager because this is, it says real tender right here. You've got to accept this. It's illegal for you not to take this money from me, from my ramen. It's a great picture, though, of what a lot of us do with our talent. It's a great picture of what we do with our gifts and our abilities. We hide them. We bury them. We invest them in ramen. Only to realize later on that what God wanted to do is he wanted to do immeasurably more with them. Just like the person with the five, he gave them ten. Just like the person with two, he gave them four. Because they were willing to step out into the call that God had for them. Not too long ago, I was, I was working out at CrossFit, and it's always got to be a CrossFit story and a message. And most of the time, as we're working out, the clock is ticking up so you can, you can mark your time when you finished uh, your workout. Now, I remember this day, it was a timed workout, and instead of the clock just running forever, the clock was counting down. And as the clock was cl- counting down, I was looking at the clock, trying to get in as many reps as I could, because I, I wanted to finish and complete the exercise that was before me. But it, it seemed like the faster I was trying to go, the quicker that count was counting down. It was like, man, all of a sudden there was a minute and then there was 10 seconds left. I was like, where did that 50 seconds go? You know, I'm, I'm trying to get in as many reps as I can. Before long, bell rings. Workout's done. You got me thinking about another clock that's running out right now. That's the clock on my life. This is the clock on your life. It's the clock on every single one of us. Every minute that passes by, we're one second closer We're one minute closer to the end game. We're one minute closer of of the clock ticking down. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the faster that clock is going. It's like, how old am I again? And it seems like I'm like skipping years every year. And I know that when I get to the end of my life, I want to I know, man, did I live uh, out the call that God had for my life? Did I accomplish everything that he wanted me to accomplish? Did I live out immeasurably more than he ever thought or imagined for my life? And I've got to answer those questions, but I think the greatest way that I can answer that question, the greatest way I know that I'm going to accomplish that is if my life is connected to something greater. If my life is connected to something that that outlives my physical life. And there's only one thing that outlives my physical life, and that's his church. That's his people. That have been found by him. And I think the goal for all of us would be what Matthew 25, 23 says. It says, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servants. I don't know about you, but I want my life to make a difference for God. I want God at the end of my life to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling 
the amount I've given you, the talent I've given you, the gifts that I've given you, the abilities that I've given you. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. You can play the video. Since the very beginning of Coastal, there has been a promise that Shayla and I have stood on that has been a life verse for us. And it comes out of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And it talks about the fact that God can do absolutely, incredibly, immeasurably more than we could think or ask. And the thing about that verse is that verse just hasn't been a promise for our life. It's been woven into the fabric and the lifeblood of our church. That, that God would not just do immeasurably more in our church, but that God would do that in people's lives. And over the years, we've seen God work a ton in different people's lives. In fact, there have been some moments where God has done immeasurably more than they could ever think or imagine. And you know what? God is still doing immeasurably more in people's lives today. We used to go to church every, every Sunday wherever we went. With Coastal, for me, it's different because I want to get up in the morning. We do the early service. I want to be there. It's not like I need to be there or I should be there. I want to be there. Um, because if I don't go, there's just something empty. There's just like my, my whole week's just ruined. I, I've learned that I can't do it all on my own. And there's only one person that can help me out, and that's God. And I just have to put my trust in Him to be able to do that. And I've learned more of that in the last two years than I've ever learned that before. Mm -hmm. And time with, you know, devotional, reading the Bible, going to church, listening to teachings, uh, it just gives me a lot more peace. Seeing the change in Him and how much closer He is to God, and knowing that He trusts God to lead Him, allows me to trust him and I see how he'll say no let's just trust God and it brings me back it reminds me of where my thoughts should be where my focus should be and um, that seeing the change in him has caused such a change in me also at Coastal, we've seen so many families get involved here. And I'm not just talking about the numeric number of families. I'm talking about the fact that, that families have come in and we've seen the kids and the entire family unit grow spiritually and develop and seen God work in so many incredible ways in their lives. In fact, it would, I would say that it's in a measurably more way. We've been here for two and a half years and um, it's been really cool to watch like my family grow um, even like my son you know Marshall he he's never like I've never seen as much like spiritual growth in him I understand he's only four but like your kids like when you start to see your kids like reading the Word of God and then remembering it days weeks months later um, that's just an incredible thing to watch there's, there's nothing quite like your son running in the room and asking you, is today church? Is it church today? Um, because he's so pumped to learn about God's word and he loves his teachers. Um, you know, I, I just really value that. Um, even if I, I would say that if I was not leading worship at Coastal, I would still bring my family to Coastal. And that would be enough for me. 
when we have our kids in the Coastal Kids Ministry, they're not just their teachers, they're, they're spiritual mentors. They're caring about our kids' faith, and, and that, that means so much to me because we don't have family here. Coastal is our family here. Second Timothy 3.16 it, that's the Bible, is useful teaching us what is true. You know, the next generation has always been a huge focus for us here at Coastal. We've never talked about uh, the kids and the youth of our church as the church of tomorrow. We've always said that they are the church of today and my dream has always been for the boys and the girls and the teenagers that they would grow up and realize that God has a plan and a purpose for their life and not for them just to realize that God has a plan and a purpose but for them to actually be able to live that out while they're growing up in their lives that they don't have to wait till they're an adult to do that but they can do that right now in our church and glorify God through the gifts and the talents that he's given them. Throughout my time at Coastal, I've always had people that surrounded me who have recognized my potential and recognized that I'm able to do great things for the kingdom of God, and they've always encouraged me to take that next step. They've always encouraged me to step out in faith and just follow the path that God has put before me. We've seen God do immeasurably more in so many different aspects of our church, but one of my most favorite is, is I remember two and a half years ago when when we saw that there was a divide that was happening in Broward County, that people that were east of 95 would not come west, and people that were west would not come east. And because of the mission of our church, of we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. We said, hey, you know what? Because that's our vision and that's our mission, we're going to take the church to them. And I'll never forget when you guys gave sacrificially and prayed sacrificially and went above and beyond to launch our campus in Pompano Beach and you've stepped out and call your city and reach out to people because you've said you know what we're gonna bring the gospel to every single person that we possibly can and because of that lives are being changed in fact I would say immeasurably more lives than you could ever think or imagine have been impacted by that I'm not from South Florida and if you hear a lot of people talking, they say, oh, it's hard to be connected in South Florida. You know, you don't always hear the most positive things about people down here. But then you get around coastal. You get around uh, the people that um, are just willing to do life with you, are willing to love you through your mess. They love you where you're at. They walk you through it. And people are always willing to pour into you. But you never feel alone. You never feel like you're going to fail. There's always hope around because they lead you right back to Christ every time. You know, there are so many stories of how God has impacted people's lives here at Coastal. You know, not just the few that you've seen, but probably hundreds of other stories. And I think the reason that God continually does immeasurably more than all we could think or imagine is because Coastal has always been about one thing. It's always been about it's about how do we impact more people? How do we reach more people? How do we help people have their lives transformed? How do we help people experience that immeasurably more moment where God just shows up and shows off in their life? I am part of the prayer ministry 
for Kalia City, so which is an amazing, amazing time. My serving there at Kalia City allows us to become the change that you want to see in the world. You know, we're, we're giving food and we're giving clothing and things like that. My, um, what I love is that connection. So asking people, you know, can I pray for you about something? And a lot of times, us coming to that community is the first time that a lot of people there feel like they're being seen. The same way that how I felt when I came to Coastal, that I'm no longer invisible, you know, someone sees me. When we go out to Kalia City and we serve, they see that we see them. And then when we see the recurring faces, and I was in Walmart just walking, and one of the little boys was with his uncle who hadn't been to Kalia City. And he was like, Uncle, look, that's the lady from the church that gives us free hot dogs. And he came over and he gave me a hug and I asked him, how are you doing in school? And, and that was just, just amazing. And for him recognizing I'm part of the team that's helping to serve their community um, is awesome. But the bigger thing is for him seeing God in me serving them. That in each time that we serve a hot dog, a drink, a food, a prayer, it's us extending a piece of God through us to them. Just, it feels like the sky's the limit. If we've done this much so far, which is like an amazing amount, I cannot even envision what God is going to do next. And that in itself is truly exciting. You know, Coastal, because we've always been about people, I think that that is the reason that God continually blesses our church. And here's the thing, I think as a church, we're at one of those immeasurably more moments. It's one of those moments where God really is about to show up and show off in a way that we never thought was possible. Being a part of Coastal has given me a reason to fight. Um, you know, sometimes I think that it's not enough to fight for ourselves, but being a part of this next generation, seeing the things that they're struggling with and that they're being tempted with and they're being faced with on a regular basis and hearing their stories and getting to know who they are, like it's given me a reason to fight for their generation, to fight for their purpose and their plan that's on their life to see who God's created them to be. And so it's really given me a huge reason to live. I know that that sounds cheesy, but it really has given me a reason to live and to fight for something so much bigger than myself. And that's probably been the biggest thing is that I've loved being a part of Coastal because I'm a part of something that's so much bigger than myself and it does so many things that I couldn't do alone.